It's Sunday morning again, and I'm Ray with another podcast episode. The temperature out there, we've got blue sky, just a quick weather report. Temperature out there is minus two at the moment. Where are we? 9.30, 16th of December 2022. No wind at all, clear blue sky and sunshine. Apparently on Sunday, that's when you'll be listening to this one, or when it's, this one's published anyway, the temperature will be in the mid-teens. So that's 15, isn't it? 15 degrees centigrade is better than minus two. Now, who was it that suggested I have an episode called I Once Knew a Girl or something <laughs> something like that? I mentioned that a week or two ago and lots of you have come back, messages and emails saying, yeah, great idea. I once knew a girl. To be honest, I'm not quite sure where to, <laughs> where to start with that one. So I'll just ramble on and bring sort of girl things into it as I go. I've just been down the garden actually to feed the squirrels and the birds and I saw a rat, a huge rat come out from under one of the sheds, grab one of these fat balls that had fallen out of the bird feeder onto the ground and he ran back under the shed with it. This is the trouble, putting food out for the birds, the squirrels and whatever else, it will attract rats. So I don't know quite what to do about that. I don't like poisoning things. Also, I don't want to poison, obviously, the birds and the squirrels. I've got a humane uh, rat trap that I might have to set up. In fact, I'll do that in a minute. What I want to do now that our Woody, poor old bunny, is gone, I want to attract some foxes. Now, I know there are two schools of thought on this. You shouldn't feed the foxes. You shouldn't attract them. And other people say, well, if you do feed them, then they won't go rummaging through people's dustbins. I don't know. I do like foxes and we do have a lot round here and it just would be, I don't know, it would be nice to see them in the garden. And you never know, they might even <laughs> they might even get rid of the rats. Do foxes eat rats? Probably not. Actually, I don't even think cats would go after this rat. He looked rather large. Anyway, sorry about that. You're probably having your, your food, your dinner or your lunch and I'm talking about rats. <laughs> I know most people don't put any food out for the, the wildlife, but uh, it's rather nice having all the birds. The trouble is, again, not just rats, but putting bird seed out, bird food, bread, it attracts the pigeons, magpies, and of course seagulls, where we are, just a mile away from the coast. Seagulls, and they scream and shout. Of course, the little birds don't stand a chance, so we have got a cage. I built a, a sort of plastic net type cage where only the smaller birds can get in there. And recently we've had a robin visit every day. In fact, he's been hanging around for several hours each day, which is nice. By the way, I forgot to tell you the barometric pressure is 1016 millibars and the humidity is 93%. I thought it was dry. I've said this before, haven't I? It's rather nice being able to walk on the lawn and also where all the mud is, where we've ripped up the, the bunny hutch stuff because it's all rock solid, it's frozen solid. It's a shame I can't put some photos on the, obviously I can't, the podcast episodes. It'd be nice to show you one or two things, but not to worry. Let's move on. Oh, by the way, hello, Lee, if you're listening, did get your email. I must answer that in a minute. It's in the queue. Uh, Lee mentioned Janet. I think one or two of you have mentioned this in the past. Janet might be some 70-year-old man sitting in his bedroom or something, um, pretending to be Janet, I don't know. I have spoke, I think I've said this before, I have spoken to Janet on the phone. Uh, we have actually had contact, unless he's got a female 
to pretend to be Jan. I don't know. I don't know. I do know what you mean, though, Lee. It's like these chat rooms. I've never been into a chat room, but I have heard that you think you're talking to a, a female, a young lady, and it's some old boy sitting in his bedroom bashing away on his keyboard. Those of you who have been wondering where Janet's got to, she did have some personal problems and she has emailed me and uh, she will be back writing full flow before too long. After Christmas, she reckons she'll be back. Not that I can read any of her emails out to you, but uh, I know it did amuse one or two of you (laughs) when I mentioned her emails. Not the content, of course, just a brief mention. Just going back to the weather for a second... I don't know whether you've, well, people abroad, have you seen uh, online our our weather? It seems that the entire country, the whole of Great Britain, apart from where I am, has had snow, even just over the Downs, uh, where we've got number two daughter. She's got snow, thick snow, and it's still there. That's just to the north of us, near Haywards Heath. I keep getting Met Office warning uh, emails, warning, warning, danger, danger, Will Smith. Do you remember Lost in Space? I used to like that. I wonder whether they've still got some of those episodes on YouTube. I must have a look. It was so bad, it was brilliant. (laughs) Rather like Tommy Cooper's jokes. They're so bad, they're fantastic. I like Tommy Cooper. Anyway, back to the snow. We haven't got any, which is good because we've been doing a lot of work in the garden. I spent the entire morning yesterday cutting up wood. I've got an electric saw, you know, a bench type that you, you pull down and slice the wood up and I spent the entire morning doing that it's all the wood from the the old uh, rabbit run the, the hutch roof and all that sort of thing and all the the cage business outside we had an extensive well we called it bunny mansions the 14 foot brick built hutch and then the massive run outside plus I had a load of other wood to cut up so that's all done now got a few jobs to do in the garden. I'm just waiting for it to get a little bit warmer than minus two. (laughs) And then I shall pop out into the garden, a little bit more tidying up. And then on Tuesday, we're off to the tip, the refuse tip. That's always a good day out. I look forward to that. Highlight of my week, going to the tip. Also, the other day, I knocked down our brick barbecue because we haven't used it for two or three years. The thing is with the barbecues, we've got a large family And on a Saturday or a Sunday, we could have 20 or maybe even 25, if you include some of the little ones, all come round for the barbecue. It's a red hot summer's day. I'm already too hot and I've got to stand in front of this very large barbecue for a long time. More sausages, more burgers. Yep, coming up. And I just got overheated. So in the end, I I said to Trish, look, yeah, why don't you just cook this stuff in the kitchen and we'll bring it out and chuck it on the table. Well, not chuck it. Just uh, place it, serve it, stick it on the table. That saves all this overheating business and it's, it's just much better. I also get a chance to mix with the family rather than stand there in my naked man apron that I've got that you would not want to see. Good job I can't show you photos. So that all came down the other day. And what I've got to do now on what is left of the, the rabbit hutch, the front of it, it's all built with with bricks as I say well breeze blocks they call them building blocks these days don't they why do they have to change everything in the old days we all knew what a breeze block was why it was called a breeze block I've no idea but now they're building blocks and you have what are they called dense or light or (laughs) dense (laughs) thick ones stupid ones they're a bit dense 
So I've got to put a front, build a breeze block wall along the front, and then we're going to fill it with earth, and that will be a raised border where we can grow vegetables and things. So I've got quite a lot of work to do, but of course I can't do any cementing. I've got some concreting to do as well, while it's minus two, because you can't, you know, wet cement will freeze and it will crack. So my wall will fall down after spending hours. I'm no good at bricklaying. It takes me hours. I lay one breeze block. It takes me, I don't know how long to do one breeze block. Anyway, the whole thing took me days. Whereas a bricklayer would come and he'd knock it up in half an hour, the whole thing. Don't, 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 job done. I'm, t- I'm taking as long to lay one breeze block as it would for him to lay 10. But it's going to be nice when it's done. And we've now got a, a separate, again, this was all part of the, the bunny run down the end of the garden. There's a paved area, which we're now going to make into what we're going to call the bunny patio. So we've got our patio near the house. You don't want to know all this, do you? Why am I telling you the layout of our garden? Or, if you're living in America, the layout of our backyard. It's a garden, as I've said uh, last week. Every bit of land near the house, around the house, back or front, is garden. Even if it's paved over, (laughs) even if it's all paving stones and it's a patio, it's a garden. But I'm quite looking forward to finishing all this off, growing some vegetables, getting the patio area down there sorted out, ready for the spring, because we do spend a lot of time in the garden in the summer. So it'll be rather nice when it's done. I'm sure you don't want to know about our fig tree, but I shall tell you anyway. It needs pruning. It's getting rather large. So I'm going to have to go online and look up pruning a fig tree. (laughs) Because I don't want to ruin it. It's doing so well where it is. I don't want to ruin it. So I'll have to check that out and I shall, I shall update you on the progress of the fig tree pruning saga next week. No, I won't because that's boring. Somewhere I've got a list of things not to mention and I must add the rat to that. Don't talk about rats again. Our next door neighbour, he really does not like rats. So I don't know whether you're listening to this, Rick. <laughs> if you are, apologies. I won't mention rats again. I'm going to add it to my list of things not to mention. Just briefly checking emails here. Thanks for all your emails. It's raiserants at protonmail.com if you want to email me. Uh, Several of you asking, well, from around the world, Australia, America, Spain, uh, Brazil. Hello in Brazil. About our strikes. The nurses were on strike Thursday. Uh, Where are we now? It's Friday, so that was yesterday. I don't know how they're doing. I don't know whether there's any pay offers been made the railway i think the railway people are coming back from i don't know they're on strike i don't know whether they're back yet the post people the postman royal mail i think they're still out on strike there's so much news now these days so many topics i really can't keep up with it all but yeah i believe the postmen are still on strike so i won't get my bits and pieces i've bought from ebay probably now probably till after Christmas. So that's a lot of good. I did hear, as you've asked, as people have asked me abroad, I will mention this. I did read, not here, I read somewhere online. I mean, you can't believe everything. Well, it's true. I read it in the newspaper. It must be true. That the the Royal Mail, the company, uh, apparently are ignoring the postmen that are on strike because so many postmen have gone into work rather than stay out on strike, that the company's carrying on. I, I don't quite know what's going on there. 
But that's what I read. The Royal Mail, the company, are ignoring the postmen that are out on strike because they've got enough people coming into work to carry on. Well, I don't think that can be true, actually, because we don't get post. Our postman isn't here. <laughs> He's on strike. As I say, you don't know what to believe these days, all this fake news and stuff going on. It's, it's horrendous. In the old days, we'd have the BBC Home Service. What, what, don't you know? Here is the news. And they would read the news properly. And it would be true you know, to, to the best of their knowledge sort of thing. But these, <laughs> these days, even news stations, you can't believe what they're saying half the time. It's a shame the way it's all gone with news. So many people have got their own thoughts, their own agenda. News readers start commenting, oh, well, I think this and I think that. You didn't get that in the old days, in the good old days when I was a boy. I suppose we ought to talk about girls. That's what this episode is supposed to be about. Or littered with bits of girl talk. Is that right? No, I can't say that, can I really? I nearly said littered with bits of girls. That's not right. I've just dropped Trish into town. She is meeting all her work colleagues. They're having their Christmas lunch, well, kind of dinner at lunchtime, well, afternoon. She'll be there all afternoon. She said, probably pick me up around six. Well, it's just gone 12. <laughs> anyway, I hope they all enjoy that. Even though she's retired, she still meets up with all the, the girls from work, ladies, women from work. And I heard on the radio while I was driving back that the railway strike... They've now turned down a, another offer and they're going out on strike. Uh, there's another 48-hour strike. I don't know when that begins. So that's that. The railway people are going out on strike for 48 hours. Talking of barbecues, I was thinking when I was driving along, in the old days, we didn't have a barbecue. We used to have picnics. We'd have perhaps sandwiches. If it's in the garden, we've got a few people around. We'd have a, a garden table and chairs and have a few sandwiches or whatever it was. No barbecues back then. Not in Britain, anyway. I know in Australia you did, and in America, I think uh, you've always had barbecues, haven't you? Another thing I did just now, which is stupid, I thought I'd just nip down the garden and cut that dead clematis off the trellis because it's looking unsightly. Now, I've been saying to Tricia, when you're cutting stuff in the garden, be careful of the coax cables that feed my aerials. Don't cut the aerial wires. No, 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 of course I won't. Just, I wouldn't cut your aerial wires. So what did I do? Trimming the old clematis off this trellis and I cut through this coax going to one of my aerials. <laughs> that made her laugh. Oh, it's hopeless. Now I've got to join it. It's, oh, I don't know. I once knew a girl. She went for a job. Now this is back in the, well, what is this? Late 60s, it would be. She went for this job. And uh, she was telling me about the interview that she had. And apparently the chap interviewing her, he said, right, well, I've uh, seen all, all your details you've written down, but you've put here that you're not pregnant. Now, in those days, that was like one of the questions in certain jobs. Are you pregnant? And she'd put no. And he said, uh, I'm not going to give you this job because you've lied on the form. And she, she said, I haven't lied. She said, I haven't lied. What do you mean? He said, well, you're pregnant. And she, she said, no, I'm not. And he said, well, sorry, but I have information that uh, you, you are pregnant, in fact. So that's it. End of. And that was it. She didn't get the job. I mean, in those days, you, there were no tribunals and stuff like that. You know, you could hire and fire people, sack people for no reason and things. Very different these days. What it was, 
this other girl that was going for the job, she'd said, oh, that, that other girl, she's pregnant. Don't employ her. She's pregnant. So she got the job by lying about this, this friend of mine. Of course, this friend of mine, when she found out, she went and told this chap. And he said, oh, well, sorry, you know, too late now. She's got the job. She's started. So that's that. But that's awful, isn't it, to do that? And that reminds me of the time that I, I was called in by the Inland Revenue, you know, H, what is it? HMRC, His Majesty's Revenue and Customs. I had this letter, report to so-and-so office and blah, 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 blah. I went down there, right, what's all this about? And he said, on your form, on your tax form, you put that you're married. And I said, no, I didn't. And he said, yes, you did. <laughs> oh, no, I didn't. Oh, yes, you did. No, it's not a Christmas pantomime. Well, it was a pantomime, actually. It was ridiculous. And he pushed this form across the desk and he said, what's that then? And he's tapping it like that. What's that? What's that you've written there? And I looked at it and it said, well, marital status, single. And he snatched the form back off the desk. And he said, oh, oh, yes, OK, right, right, OK, that's fine then. Off you go. And I said, well, what was all this about? He'd made a mistake. He obviously mixed me up with someone else and I don't know, he made a mistake. No apology. Just, oh, OK, fine. OK, uh, you can go. <laughs> Honestly, it, but things were very different back then. Very different. I once knew this other girl. <laughs> I was chatting her up in the pub and we were getting on quite well. And I'd walked to the pub as it was a, a nice summer evening and I didn't want to drink and drive. This is, where are we? Early 70s. Uh, yeah, early to mid 70s. And at the end of the evening, she said, oh, I'll give you a lift home. She had a, a little red sports car, tiny thing. I could hardly get in it. And she gave me a lift home. And when we stopped outside my place, I said, uh, can I see you again? And she said, well, I don't normally go out with married men, but uh, yes, OK. And I said, married men? What, what, do you, what do you mean? She said, well, you're married. And I said, no, I'm not. I didn't have a wedding ring or anything. I said, no, I'm not. Whatever gave you that idea? She said, well, you look like a married man. <laughs> look, she said, you look married. You, you behave as if you're married. I said, what are you talking about? I don't, that stuck in my mind for years. I behaved like a married man. I mean, what does a married man behave like when he's going out with some other girl on the side? I don't know. We did go out a few times, but it took a lot of convincing that I wasn't married. I, I, I even took her to where I was living and showed her around. Here we are, look, it's just me. There's no wife here. There's no other people here, no women here. And she did believe me in the end. But she still said, well, I don't know, you look like a married man. You still look like a married man. Anyway, that was that. We didn't go out for too long. But uh, as I said, that, that stuck in my mind. Even today, even these days, I've been married for 100 years. And I often think, do I look like a, a married man? Just going back to jobs and the inland revenue and stuff. This was the child support agency or whatever they call themselves these days. This friend of mine was hauled in. I've only just remembered this, funnily enough. I, I normally make notes so I know what I'm talking about. Well, I don't. You know, I never know what I'm talking about. But this friend of mine was hauled in and apparently the chap said, right, you've, uh, you're claiming child benefit for a couple of children. And he said, yes, that's right. And the chap said, well, it's come to my attention that you don't have any children. You are claiming falsely for two children. And he said, I have, I've got two children. Anyway, this chap wouldn't have it. No, no, it's come to my attention that uh, you do not have any children. And this went on. In the end, this friend of mine said, look, come round to my house any time you like. 
I'll show you the kids. I'll show you their birth certificates. Just come round to my house. Anyway, this chap did. One evening, knocked on the door. Right, uh, where are these children? I mean, you can't believe it, can you? So he invited him in. He took them through to the kitchen and said, there they are. They're having their tea. Right, okay, so you're saying these are your children, aren't you? Of course, the kids are looking up at this chap, bewildered. His wife's standing there. She knew about the story. He said what happened. And he said, right, I'll go and get the birth certificates. Hang on. Went upstairs, came back. There you are. Birth certificates for these two children. This is my wife. And this chap, he wasn't apologetic. They weren't in those days. According to my friend, he said, right, well, just be aware that claiming for children that you do not have is uh, a criminal offence, blah, blah, blah. And he said, well, I'm not. I've got the two children. You've seen them. Here they are. Yeah, they're mine. Yes, well, just be warned that you can't claim. Oh, dear. Ridiculous situation, honestly. Just briefly before I get back on to the next girl that I once knew. Hello, news flash. Hang on a minute. Oh, that's bad news. That's a shame. Won't go into that. Knock on the door one evening. Two chaps in suits with briefcases. Uh, are you Mr. Soda? Yes, yes. Right, Inland Revenue. We've come to check your national insurance stamp. So in those days, you'd buy a stamp from the post office, your national insurance stamp and stick it on a card. You had like a green card with spaces and you have to fill it in. So, you know, maybe come in. I said, yeah, come in, yeah. And they stood in the hall there and, uh, right, yeah, where are your national insurance stamps? Where's the card? So I went and got it from my filing system in my office, all properly done. And I said, well, there we are. Oh, oh, okay, uh, that, that's fine. And off they went. It was all up to date. I don't know what that was about. I was going to contact the revenue, but in the end, I couldn't be bothered. I don't know what that was all about. Of course, back in the old days, things like the inland revenue, the bank manager, I mean, bank managers were dreadful people. <laughs> Apologies if there's any retired bank managers listening, but they were awful people. They were, it was honestly, it was like going to see the headmaster at school. What, what do you want? Well, I'd like a loan, actually. What for? How much? What do you, what do you mean you want a loan? What for? It was awful. And the inland revenue were the same. Again, things have changed dramatically since then. And they I think now the inland revenue call uh, their what used to be victims, as I used to think. We, we were victims. I think they now call them, is it clients or customers? <laughs> I'm not sure what they, well, I, I bet they call us, yeah, I wouldn't like to think what they call us behind closed doors, but we are clients or customers these days. Wasn't there some famous chap that was done by the revenue for not paying his tax? And he said, I'm not sure who it was, but he said, but the inland revenue are there to be ripped off. That's what they're there for. <laughs> Which obviously didn't go down too well. Talking of ripping off and things, money laundering. Been hearing a bit about money laundering in the news recently, and I've never really understood how it works. Nothing to do with girls I once knew, but I'll tell you more about that in a minute. What it is, I read this example. Um, there's a restaurant and they normally take, say, £1,000 a night. Quite a busy restaurant, £1,000 a night. So what they do on their books, they say they've taken £2,000 and they will bank the money. Now, obviously, they've got to pay tax on it, but they will bank the money, bunging this extra £1,000 in, which is the, the dirty money they've got from, I don't know, illicit things or wherever they've got this money from. And it just appears as the restaurant's takings. Because I've been hearing on the news recently, a lot of 
barbers opening up, you know, men's little hairdressing salons opening up, loads of barbers all over the place. And people have been saying, oh, that's all to do with money laundering. And I thought, well, how does that work? How, how can a little barber be involved in money laundering? But that's the way it works. I mean, I'm not saying all barbers launder money, obviously, but that's how it works. And I read further, I won't go into it, but I read further about it. They can then offset that extra money against tax. There's all sorts of fiddles and stuff you can do to get round it. And the money eventually, this dirty money, say the £1,000, that ends up kind of lost in the system and in someone's back pocket. So now the dirty money is all clean money or what I don't know. But that's how it works, apparently. I don't, think, <laughs> I don't think I'd be any good at that. I'd probably, if I had a little restaurant, I'd say, right, took £2,000. Not really, it was only 1000 I'd end up paying a load of income tax on it, <laughs> on this money. Oh, there we are. Interesting, though, because I once went abroad and I said to my son-in-law, funny how all these taxi drivers abroad, I won't mention the country I went to, they've all got brand new Mercedes. Big new Mercedes cars, lovely jobs, cost a fortune. He said, oh, well, that's all money laundering, isn't it? So I just said, yeah, yeah, of course, pretending I knew what he was talking about, which I didn't. But uh, so that's it. I suppose they they got a taxi company. They buy brand new Mercedes. I don't know how that works. Interesting anyway. Right, back to girls. I once knew a girl who worked at an auction room. And it was quite interesting. I used to go to the auction sometimes just to watch and I did buy one or two things. And she said to me that you get these, what are they call rings or something, where you get uh, two or three people who are all after the same thing. So what they'll do is get together. They won't bid against each other. What happens is one of them wins the, the item or whatever. that They then sell it. One of them sells it in his, say, antique shop and then they share the profit. So they've got it a lot cheaper than they would have done if, if they'd all been bidding. Now, I knew a chap, he used to go to auctions and buy radio equipment, old ex-army radio equipment, all stuff like that. And there'd be quite a few people there and he would get together. The people in there, they'd say, right, what, what are you after? Oh, we're after those items there, X, Y, Z, we want those. OK, we won't touch that and we want this lot here. And they'd say, right, you, you go ahead with that. And they'd all agree before the auction who was wanting to buy what. So this mate of mine, this chap I knew, he would bid and no one else would bid against him. <laughs> you get perhaps 50 people there and no one else would bid against him. Or perhaps one or two, just to make it look a little bit realistic. And he'd get whatever he wanted, like a, I don't know, 50 or 60 of those items, that lump sort of lot. He'd get them at a... a incredibly cheap price and then afterwards they would share out these items you know 10 for you 10 for you 10 to me, for me and that's how it worked but this girl I once knew she was telling me about various scams and things that go on again this is back in when did I know her well that'd be early 70s that was a long time ago she was a nice girl actually I don't know what happened to her I think she went off and got married <laughs> I think she avoided me I don't know why that should be I didn't go out with all these girls. Some of them were just people I knew, just girls I knew as I knew some of the lads. They were just friends of mine. I did know one. <laughs> this is funny. This girl, quite a, the entrepreneur she was. This is in the early 70s. 
She set up her own dating agency, only a very small affair. She advertised in the local paper, so it was all very local, for people to join her dating agency. And of course, people started contacting her, gave her their details, way before the internet and all that business. And she started to do quite well. She was actually getting couples together and getting paid for it. You know, the people would pay her and it worked out really well. But what she started to do, uh, it's a dreadful word, blackmail. There were some of the men were married and they just wanted some someone on the side to go, go out with that their wife knew nothing about. They wanted to have these illicit affairs with women and things. <laughs> I don't know why I'm laughing. And anyway, this girl would vet the people without them knowing. They'd give their sort of name and address and she'd go round there and spy. She'd drive round there in her little car. She had a Mini. I remember that little grey Mini. Uh, green, sorry, grey. Little green Mini. And she'd park outside these places and she'd find out that you know, some of the men were actually married. So what, what she would do, she'd call them in. Oh, yeah, can you come in? I've got some information for you. And they'd, they'd go to her little office place that she rented. And she'd say, right, you're married. Oh, no, no, I'm not. Yes, you are. I've discovered that you're married. And she'd blackmail them. <laughs> well, not blackmail. She'd say, um, well, I suppose it was blackmail, thinking about it. Yeah, what is blackmail if it isn't blackmail? She'd say, right, I'm going to have to strike you off my books because you're married. Oh, oh all right, then, OK. But there's a fine. And she'd fine them £20. She called it a fine. And they had to, that's quite a lot of money back then, £20. And they had to pay her. Otherwise, she'd go around and see the wife. Your husband's on my dating agency books. Look, here's all his information that he's given me. <laughs> so I don't know how long she lasted in business, but I think she must have done quite well out of it. I've, I've never seen her since. Sometimes I bump into people. I was going to say when I go into town, which is very rarely, as you know, but I do sometimes bump into people if we go out somewhere and someone will come over. Oh, Ray. Oh, do you remember me? No, no, I don't know. <laughs> I'd rather not remember some of them. But honestly, some of the things that people got up to, quite incredible. I did know, actually, I did know, um, what's the polite term, a, a couple of girls who were uh, ladies of the night, if you know what I mean. They used to sit at the bar in a, a local club that I used to go to, and uh, I got to know them. Uh, I, I didn't go out with them or anything, <laughs> but you know, just say, hello, how are you doing? when they're in the local nightclub. So, yes, I have met some characters. I often look back at the, not only girls, but the, the lads I used to meet as well, and people I, I knew from various places that I frequented. I remember once a friend of mine, Derek, his name, I haven't seen him for decades. We were, we were at work wondering where to go. Where should we go? Let's well, on this Friday. And this chap said, oh, we want to go to a place in Brighton. I won't mention the name of it. And we said, oh, OK, what's that like? Oh, it's great. He said, yeah, yeah, there's good music there. They've got live band, there's girls there. Oh, great. So we went over there. I think we went in Derek's car and we went into this club and <laughs> it was a gay club. Now, this is back in, oh, when was this? This was the 60s because uh, it became legal, didn't it? Homosexuality became legal, I believe, in 1967. So it was late 60s. And we're looking round and we're saying to each other, well, where's all the girls in? It's all blokes in here. This is odd. Went up to the bar. And of course, as soon as the barman spoke and smiled at us, we thought, ah, we've been set up here. So we left. <laughs> and this chap at work on the Monday when we went back to the workshop 
uh, we saw him and he was laughing. He couldn't stop laughing because he was telling everyone else, oh, Ray and Derek went to a gay club. <laughs> that was funny. Well, it wasn't funny at the time, but it was afterwards. Just been out into the garden. It's actually four degrees now out there. It's risen quite well. Centigrade, that is. I must find out. I used to have Alexa in here so I could ask her, but I haven't. I've taken that out because <laughs> she was annoying. Talking of annoying, I used to go out with this girl again, early 70s, and we were getting on quite well. Now, this friend of mine, Chris, he sort of fancied her and he used to make comments to her about how lovely she looked and all this nonsense. And I went to pick her up one evening and she opened the front door and I'm sort of smiling and saying hi. And she said, you needn't think I'm going out with you. <laughs> I said, what do you mean? She said, you know very well. I said, oh, I don't, what are, you, what are you talking about? I don't know what you mean. You're married. <laughs> I said, no, I'm not. Yes, you are. Chris told me you're married. I'm going to go out with him. The crafty, uh, what name can I give him? Devil. The crafty devil. He'd gone and told this girl that I was married so he could go out with her. And I said to her, look, come on. I said, I'm not married. You know he's wanted to go out with you all along and this is his way of, of getting rid of me so he can go out with you. And she sort of frowned and, oh, well, are you married? I said, no, of course I'm not married. I wasn't. I wasn't married. So we carried on going out with each other. And Chris, I saw him. I had a go at him. And he said, oh, it was only a joke. It wasn't a joke. <laughs> it almost worked. She'd said yes to going out with him after he told her I was married. I don't know. Tis a tangled web we weave, isn't it? Good grief. I haven't said stone the crows in this episode yet. Have I stoned the crows? <laughs> Struth, that's another one. Is that Australian, Struth? I've heard that mentioned a few times in Australian programmes on telly that I've seen, Struth. Tony, if you're listening, perhaps you can tell me you live in Australia, don't you? I bet it's hot where you are. <laughs> it's cold here, but it's it's your midsummer, isn't it? I always find that funny, even as a kid. You know, my grandmother, I remember her saying to me, they have Christmas dinner on the beach in Australia. On the beach? Isn't it cold? No, it's their midsummer. Of course, it's not there midsummer. I thought she was mad. <laughs> midsummer? How can it be? It's winter. It's Christmas time. You can't have Christmas in the summer. Struth. Is that Australian? Uh, Tony, is that an Australian term? Struth? I think Stone the Crows must be British. <laughs> There's a load of sayings, aren't there? It's balmy. There were quite a few back in the 60s, I remember. I can't mention they were rather rude then, and I suppose now they're even worse. That reminds me, Sarah, hello, I've got you on my notes here. It just says, Sarah, I haven't put anything by it, but I've just remembered what your email was about. Did you really shout things out of your car window to girls as you're driving down the street? She says, I can't imagine people doing that these days. We did, Sarah. It wasn't just me. It was lads in general. <laughs> shout out to girls and they'd shout back. I believe now wolf whistling as in... That's illegal, isn't it? You get arrested. It's a crime now, I think. We've discussed this before, haven't we, on some previous episodes. But yeah, that is true, Sarah. Back in those days, we would whistle at girls. They'd do the same, though. As I said, they'd shout back or they'd start it. On more than one occasion, I remember walking down the road with a couple of lads. We're on our way to the pub or a nightclub and you get girls shouting at us. I won't, I won't say what they said, but um, it worked both ways. And it was only in fun. You know, no one meant any harm by it. 
To be fair to us lads back in the 60s, a lot of the girls were as bad, if not worse than us, or <laughs> better than us, depending which way you look at it. Some of the things the girls shouted out were obscene. Now, we didn't do that. We didn't shout out obscenities. Well, they weren't, <laughs> they weren't looked upon as obscenities back then. Probably now they would be. But the girls were really crude. That's the good word. We, we weren't crude. Well, I suppose we were. But they were cruder. Is, is that such a word, cruder? Yes, more crude. I don't know. They were great days, as I'm always saying. They were fantastic days. The 60s, the 50s, I was only a child. The 70s, pretty good. 80s and 90s, well, by then, you know, married, children, all this stuff. So it was all very different then. It is rather nice to know that there are quite a few youngsters that listen to the podcast episodes and that do ask questions about the old days. Everyone's heard of the 1960s. The 1960s, everyone goes on about it, about the music, about the Carnaby Street, the mini skirts, the flared trousers, the hair, everything. And of course, the youngsters, they weren't there, obviously. So they have to rely on people that were there, people such as myself, to tell them what it was like. And they are interested. All you youngsters listening, you are interested, which is great. There was one girl I knew. She wasn't at all attractive. She was, I won't say ugly. She used to call herself ugly, but I wouldn't want to use that word. But she was not attractive in the slightest. But she was a lovely person, lovely character. We didn't actually go out with each other as a, what is it called, an item? Or has that changed? An item? I don't know. Whatever it's called (laughs) these days. We were just friends. And we used to go out together, but only as friends. I remember her saying on several occasions that she'd really like to have a boyfriend and in the future get married and have babies and all this stuff. And she said that that would never happen because she was ugly. I felt so sorry for her. She wasn't ugly. She just wasn't attractive. It turned out years later that she did get married. She had children and she was uh, very happy. But the point I was going to make was people at the time, friends of mine at the time, used to say to me, what are you going out with her for? Oh, she's awful. What do you want to go out with her for? They were nasty. A lot of people are nasty, aren't they? They didn't say anything in front of her, but they just say to me, what do you want to go out with her for? And I would explain to them, I'd say, look, she's a friend of mine. Doesn't matter what she looks like. You know, we all look different, don't we? We're all different. Very nice person. And she's a friend of mine. Great company, which she was. But quite a few people thought I was really weird for having this well, what they called ugly girlfriend. And uh, I just felt so sorry for her. In the end, uh, we sort of didn't go out together anymore because one day I met her and she said, I've got a boyfriend. Oh, wow. Okay, great. And we didn't see each other after that. And it all turned out well for her, which is good. But aren't people nasty? Well, not everyone, but some of them are nasty, aren't they? I remember saying to one chap I knew, he was going on about how ugly she was. And I said, well, we're getting married. I don't know what made me say that. At his face, he was shocked. Oh, 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 are you? Oh, okay. We weren't at all. As I said, we weren't even boyfriend and girlfriend. But I just said that to shut him up, which it did. It shut him up. We've got lovely granddaughters and they're in their teens now and they've got boyfriends. And I often look at them and think, I I hope life is kind to you. I hope you you don't meet someone like me. I wasn't nasty to girls, but I wasn't nice to girls. But uh, I think I've explained to one or two of you, haven't I, in emails that uh, 
there's a reason for that. I had a, a very bad experience in my teens that um, it made me sometimes not be very nice to girls. So I do hope uh, grandchildren, all the youngsters of today, they're, they're hitting their teens, aren't they? They're getting to their mid-teens. They've got boyfriends and the boys as well. Some of them I know are going to be in love or so they think and they get cheated on and the girls get cheated on. There's love triangles and oh dear, thank, go <laughs> thank goodness I'm not a teenager anymore. Who would want to go back to that? Might be interesting in some ways to go back to the teens back then in the 60s. As someone said the other day, if I could go back knowing what I now know, things would be very different. And obviously they would, but uh, of course that's not possible. Of course, cheating on each other didn't only happen in teens. It happens in adult life, doesn't it? Probably more so than during teenage years. I've known many adult couples, married people with children that are cheating on each other don't know why they do that. I think if I, well, I can't try and do that now. I mean, I'm 71 years old. Imagine me going clubbing <laughs> and finding some girl and going out with her. It would just be a disaster. I mean, Trish would say, you know, what are you like? And she'd just laugh at me, I think. No, seriously, not at my age, but perhaps married couples in their 30s, 40s. I don't know, things start to go wrong, don't they? They've got their house, they've got their children. Things start to go wrong and they... They wander off <laughs> with other people. Not everyone, of course, but it does seem to me that a lot of people are divorced. A lot of people end up divorced and going off with other people. I don't know. I've just had an email. Hello, Ray. I will answer your other email, Ray, and this one. And you're not becoming overbearing with emails. I do get a lot of emails from a lot of people uh, sometimes two or three a day from the same person. And it does take me a while to answer. Uh, Ray here is talking, this has only just come through, about um, Nestle's chocolate. Uh, in our day, we called it Nestle's. It's now Nestle, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah, why? As Ray says, who changed it and why? I mean, things change, don't they? I'm always on about things changing. They change the names of pubs and the names of restaurants. And yeah, it was always Nestle's, Nestle's chocolate. Now it's Nestle's chocolate. I mean, what a load of nonsense, isn't it? Who dreams up all this stuff? There's so much nonsense around these days. I just don't understand where it comes from. Just had another email. I've just answered you, Ray, both your emails. Now just have one from Tony in Australia. Hello, Tony. Nice to hear from you. I shall answer yours after the podcast episode because time is ticking on. And I want, <laughs> I want to do a few more things in the garden. We've still got sunshine, lovely blue sky, no wind at all. The flag's not moving at all. And we haven't got a dead clematis and we haven't got the coax to my aerial in one piece anymore. <laughs> I've just ordered a drum of coax, 50 metre drum of uh, decent coax. So I shall rewire the whole thing. Fancy cutting it in half like that. What am I like? Of course, it's Friday. We normally walk up to our club up the road on a Friday late afternoon, just for an hour or so. But as Trisha's downtown with all her friends, probably on their fifth bottle of wine by now, <laughs> I've only got to pick two of them up. Trisha and her friend who's left her car here. She won't be drinking wine, her friend, because she's got to drive home. Where does she live? The other side of Brighton, I think. That was a thing, drink driving, in the very early days, People didn't really take a lot of notice 
of drink driving. People would go out, have two or three beers and drive home. Whereas now, it's a totally different thing, isn't it? Drink driving, dreadful. This time of year, of course, the police are putting out messages on Twitter and Facebook and everywhere. Do not drink and drive, blah, blah, blah. And they're quite right, of course. You've only got to have a couple couple of beers or a couple of glasses of wine and then you might think, oh, I'm fine, I can drive. But your reactions are slow, impaired. That's the word, isn't it? Your reactions are impaired. What we used to do in the early days, when I was a boy, there was this chap, his name was Ray. As well. I wonder where he is these days, Ray. He was Ray, worked with him for many years in the radio and TV workshop. His parents had a mini, a little mini car, and he didn't drink. So he used to borrow his parents' car and he'd drive us everywhere. We used to go over to Shoreham, to the hospital at Shoreham. They used to have uh, nurses' parties in the nurses' block. Uh, Not actually in their rooms, you weren't allowed in their rooms, but downstairs in this kind of big hall area, they would have parties. So, So we'd go over there and do dreadful things. I did actually manage to get upstairs into one or two of the nurses' rooms. Not on my own. I mean, they took me there. I didn't go up there without being invited. And I remember a friend of mine, he got caught, this matron woman, a bit like Hattie Jakes, and she grabbed his ear and marched him down the stairs and threw him out of the building. And she quite damaged his ear. I saw it the next day at work. And it was all red, and it actually cut cut his ear. (laughs) Uh, That's where we had proper matrons in the good old days. Hattie Jakes type matrons. I think that's what we need again now in hospitals, to be honest. The nurses were great fun, though. They really were. I don't know what it was or is about nurses. I suppose the things they have to do, the things they see, the things they hear, nothing sort of shocks them. And I, I don't know. It's strange. Nurses are brilliant people. I love them to bits. They're great fun. They're caring people, of course, which is nice. And uh, I've got so many memories of going over to the hospital. We only went there, well, I think there must have been two or three parties I went to. There weren't that many, because I think this matron woman used to clamp down on things. But the parties that I did go to were fantastic. One of the nurses I met didn't live in the nurses' block in the hospital grounds. Her parents had a, a few bob. And uh, she had a house. It was her dad's house. They obviously had more than one house. And that was hers. And it wasn't far from the hospital. And she used to have parties there. Of course, the matron wasn't invited, obviously. So we went there a few times. You know, one or two of the local lads and myself, we'd go over there to this, what was it? Caroline. Caroline was her name. That's right. I wonder what nurse Caroline is doing. Now. How old would she be? I was about, oh, I don't know how old I was, 18, 19. I suppose she was about the same. So, yeah, she's now... Isn't it funny to think that, that that nurse I knew, got to know her quite well, actually, she's now my age, 71. She's an old lady. <laughs> I'm an old man. Isn't it strange how life... Hello, hang on, we've got an email now. Three emails, in fact. One from a delivery company about the parcel's been delayed. One from the lottery. You haven't won. <laughs> well, they didn't tell me that. I never win and one from someone asking me a question about a record player. So I'll have to answer those later. Anyway, it's Friday. I might have a beer later. I don't drink a great deal. Was it Ray in one of your emails talking about drinking in the old days? Ray's suggestion for a a future episode, possibly, about the good old days when the lads went out 
and uh, you know, got wrecked, <laughs> got absolutely wrecked in the things that we did. We didn't get wrecked. We didn't drink so much that, you know, we were completely off the wall. You know what I mean? We, we had a few beers and had a laugh, but we never drank till we sort of fell over. I mean, I know one or two people that used to do that. I never understood it. I remember a friend of mine, even recently, well, within the last few years, I've lost touch with him now, but he'd phone me and he'd say, oh, I got completely smashed last night. It was fantastic. And I'd think, it smashed you? Why? Why do that? He would. He'd just drink himself stupid and then phone me and be proud of it. Oh, you should have been there. I got absolutely wrecked. I've never understood that. I don't like drinking like that. I don't like drinking lunchtime. We don't, Trish and I, don't drink during the week. We'll have a couple of drinks at the weekend. Friday at our club and possibly Saturday night I might have one or two real ales, which I like, and Trish will have a couple of glasses of wine. But that's about it. And as I say, even in my teens, we didn't get wrecked and all that like some people did. Apart from not doing your, your organs and stuff any good, your liver, it doesn't do your wallet any good. Well, that's about 50 minutes, is it now? I think the episode, so I shall end it soon. Where are we now? It's half past two because I've stopped for lunch and took Trish down the town, things like that. So it's now half past two. Still a very sunny Friday afternoon. Really nice. Blue sky. Very cold. It's nice. Uh, thank you. Several of you have said that you like listening to the podcast episodes because you find them relaxing. That's interesting. Me ranting on about the old days is relaxing. Well, that's rather nice. Uh, thank you for those nice comments. It's not always easy to think of a subject. I know I've had a lot of suggestions from you. What about this? What about that? That's great, but it doesn't take up an hour or 50 minutes. So this is why I wander off onto other things. And of course, as I'm chatting to you about, I don't know, about something about a pub in the old days, that will make me think, ah, oh, yes, and there was this and there was that. So I'll drift off onto another subject about the old days, which I think is what people like from the uh, comments I've had anyway. So it's not just every week one subject. It's a, a load of wandering off, uh, going off at various tangents and things. So don't forget, email me. I do answer. I know some of you have said, oh, apologise, I'm sending you yet another email. I think several of you do that. Sorry to keep sending you emails. No, don't be sorry. Uh, the only thing is you'll have to be a little bit patient because I can't answer them straight away because I get so many. So I will answer them all. And if I do, I've said this before, if I do happen to miss one, which does happen, then it's uh, nothing personal. I'm not being rude or anything. I just missed it. Every time I hear a lorry or a van go past, I look out of the window. I'm waiting for a garden bench to be delivered. When I ordered it, the message I had was, this will be delivered beginning of January. And I thought, well, that's good get Christmas out of the way, then this garden bench turns up because I'm not ready for it yet. The following day, I had a message, which was uh, Thursday. It'll be delivered tomorrow, Friday. So I'm now having to look out for this lorry delivering a garden bench, and I don't know where we're going to put it. I don't want to put it straight into the garden because I want to treat it with some kind of preservative. So anyway, you don't want to know about that, do you? Well, I'm going to have to stick it in the shed, I think, well, in the big shed. It'll have to go in there until I can get round to finishing the garden, the backyard, and then putting some sort of preservative on it. Anyway, that's enough. Waffled enough. I could do with a cup of tea. Take care. Hope you've enjoyed the episode. I always enjoy rabbiting away to you. It's great. 
So look after yourselves and I shall see you on Wednesday with a midweek message. Bye-bye for now.